morning is Jonathan Yoder. Jonathan has been a pastor and at, uh, oh boy, I just forgot, Hopewell? Pine Grove. Pine Grove. Pine Grove. And uh, he retired from Pine Grove as pastor, and now he is the executive director of AMEC, which is the organization that our church is part of. So, yes, I answer to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and then God, but, you know, he's... He's part of our AMAC organization. It's thrilled to have him here. And you know what he does for fun? He's a basketball referee. Goodness, you know, it's stressful enough being a pastor, but then you go and referee basketball where people yell at you, and goodness sakes. So, Jonathan, it's good to have you here, man. Hey, let's pray. Father, thank you for Jonathan. Thank you for the ministry that he has had at Pine Grove. Lord, thank you for the way that you have used him. And Father, we're expectant of how you're going to use him here in our midst this morning. Father, I pray that Jonathan would be your mouthpiece. That, Father, you will use him to speak to our hearts. Father, we thank you for this time that we're able to gather together to hear from your word, to be encouraged from your word. So, Father, use him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Steve, and uh, it is a blessing to be with you today and to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, we're glad for this opportunity to come here to Waterway and I've been here for a number of meetings. I was also here one time a few months ago for a service. Just popped in on Sunday morning. Uh, but uh, been here for some meetings as well. Because Jesse Johnson is the, your senior pastor, is the chair of our executive committee. So I answer to him. And uh, he's my boss. But we have great fellowship together. And I appreciate Jesse so much. And all that you as a church are doing in support of, of AMEC, the Alliance of Internet and Congregations. And uh, that you've given Jesse a sabbatical. I think that's wonderful. And I thank God for Steve as well, getting to know him. We just credentialed him. We had just approved him to transfer credentials to AMEC. So uh, he's in the fold right now. And we're glad for that. I did ask him. I said, what do I have to do to get one of those green shirts that says Waterway on it? He said, uh, you have to give 20 bucks. And I said, you're going to be kidding me. So uh, I, I'm going to hit Jesse up for one when he gets back. So some of the, I'm not going to get one for Steve, but I'll get one for, I'll get one for Jesse. I, uh, I grew up in a small town up near State College called Belleville, Pennsylvania. It's a small Amish Mennonite community, a kind of a miniature Lancaster County. Uh, my... Uh, of course, my dad's last name was Yoder. My mother's maiden name was Yoder. In fact, my grandfather on my dad's side, his name was Jonathan Yoder. My grandfather on my mother's side, his name was Jonathan Yoder. So in 1950, Jonathan Yoder's son married Jonathan Yoder's daughter. And a couple years later, I was born in 1952, and they named me Jonathan as well. That is a true story. I didn't make that up. It is very, very true. Um, and... Uh, been involved in ministry for over the years, and uh, I've been married for almost 46 years, and my wife Susan's here this morning. Isn't she great? But she's the orange right there. Is that orange, right? It's orange? 
Is it orange? No? I don't know. Well, whatever. Close to it. I don't know. Some, some, some color that's really nice and bright <laughs> and attractive. So uh, we have, uh, I grew up in a family with uh, four sisters, no brothers. And then Susan and I had two daughters, no sons. Our daughters are both married. Now we have five grandchildren, four grandsons. Yes, four grandsons. Awesome. And, uh, and one granddaughter. And so, again, it's a blessing. And I want to just encourage you today here at Waterway. I uh, just want to bless you today uh, for your life and your ministry. I've certainly uh, been involved in some way over here in, over the years uh, and uh, also seen how God has worked and led in your relocation and your new pretty beautiful facility you have here and how you've come together and you're working together, serving together. Uh, just want to bless you in that. And to the Devin and Katie, thank you for sharing this morning. Uh, done our blessing upon you as well. Certainly have known what's going on in Myanmar just from the news and all of that. And so it was great to just hear you share this morning your heart and uh, the people there. Well, I'm going to speak today on the subject of prayer. And I'm going to speak to you about praying for yourself. Usually when we think of prayer, we think of praying for others. And rightly so. We did so this morning. Prayed for the needs of other people. And it may seem as though we think about praying for ourselves as maybe that's a bit self-centered. Focusing only upon me when really to pray for others. And we are to pray for others. You are to intercede on behalf of others. Intercessory prayer is a very key principle in the, in the Scriptures. But I believe it's also important for us to pray for ourselves. Ask God to help us in certain areas of our lives. To help us in our spiritual walk and, and uh, in our journey with the Lord. And so today, and so really praying for others and praying for ourselves, both are essential this morning we're going to look at, focus upon three prayer requests for ourselves as God's children through faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to need to focus on three prayer requests looking at three scriptures. First of all, the prayer of priority, focusing upon unity. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. And here we have... Jesus' prayer for all believers. And this is his prayer prior to going to the cross. So as Jesus is ready to go to the cross, he spends time praying in the garden. And of all the things he could have prayed for, especially in our behalf, you know, he prayed for the disciples he prayed, first of all, to be glorified, then prayed for the disciples, then prayed for all believers. That includes us. He prayed for the church. That includes us. And he prayed. His prayer request was one prayer request, and that was that we would be one as he and the Father are one. He prayed for our unity, our oneness. And I believe he prayed for that because he knew what a challenge that is for us at times as God's people to be united together in our walk together and life together 
in local churches. Because so easily our own preferences, our own self can get in the way, and we think it should be this way, we think church should be done that way, and as a result, we end up dividing over things that are really non-essential. When he talks about unity, when the Scripture talks about unity and oneness, it's centered around a common commitment to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and to the truth of His Word. And so our unity is, is based, rooted in our vertical unity with God that comes in salvation. Through Christ, we are united with Him. We are united with God, restored in relationship to a holy and righteous God, even a sinful people. And we are now in Christ. And being in Christ, then, means that we're supposed to be also uh, horizontally unified as God's people, as one. We don't compromise what is truth, but we're unified with God in Christ, and when we are, we're unified with each other. And so he says here in verse 23, he prays that they may be perfectly one, so that the world will know you've sent me and have loved them as even as you have loved me, and that, uh, that God will be glorified through our oneness. Think of it, God being glorified through our unity. Someone has said, the showcase of God's glory is the unity of His people. The showcase of God's glory is the unity of His people. And Paul in Ephesians 4 emphasizes the heart and soul of Christian unity. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. That's the basis of our oneness. If not anything goes, it's rooted in truth. It does not mean that having different denominations or churches within the Christian church is a sign of disunity or different local churches. What it does mean is that there are differences at times in polity and some teachings that are non-essential, just points of emphasis. But at the core... All believers are still united together as one body and one spirit. And that's the confession of all congregations who are rooted in the gospel of Christ. One true plan of redemption. One body of truth. Even the Westminster Confession of Faith, which, uh, when speaking of the church, references Ephesians 4 and does not... Uh, say those words are only for their confession. That's confession of faith comes out more out of the Reformed or Presbyterian tradition. But if you read the confession of faith, when it comes to speaking about our oneness in Christ, it references all believers, all congregations that are like-minded in those essential teachings and truths. And so Jesus, of all the things he could have asked for, in our, on our behalf, ask that we would be united together as He and the Father are one, and that, that realizing our unity will be life-giving to us, it will be evangelistic in nature that the world may know the gospel through our oneness and our working together. It is so easy for us to become distracted by things that are 
really non-essentials or maybe preferences by how we do church and we think it should be done a certain way because we, it's kind of in our mind and we think that's the way it should be done. And you know, There are many ways to do church, but we think it has to be a certain way. And so if it isn't our way, we kind of get frustrated. Uh, we can become very uh, strong in our commitment in terms of our preferences, convictions, and I'm not saying don't have convictions, but understand that when it comes to the church working together, we, we are rooted in the core convictions found in the gospel, the core foundations of our Christian faith, and then we set other things aside for the sake of the, the gospel and the well-being of the church, because the church a local church cannot, will not be successful, will not be able to minister its mission or calling to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, to grow together and make disciples here and throughout our world unless we are united together as one and working and serving together. You know, this past year has really tested our unity. This year and a half with a pandemic with the political election, and I've uh, been kind of grievous to me to see how local churches throughout our country struggled over their differences in terms of how to approach all of this and how to deal with all of this. People got very, very vocal. And some of the things that were out there on social media from believers are absolutely appalling. There was every, it all had to do with tearing the church apart, not bringing it together. People put themselves first. Again, we can have convictions. But let's humble ourselves and realize that the person sitting next to you may not have the same, see it the same way as you. It's that way in life. Do you like strawberry shortcake? Do you like strawberry shortcake? You know, when I grew up in my home, this is how we ate strawberry shortcake. You took the shortcake and you crumbled it up and you put strawberries on top and then you poured milk over it, maybe a little sugar, and you had it with, as part of your main meal. And then I got married. <laughs> and I found out Oh, no. For my wife, strawberry shortcake was a dessert. And you put a layer of shortcake, and then you put some ice cream on top of that, another layer of shortcake, and then a, strawberries on top of that, and whipped cream. And that was strawberry shortcake. And I said, no, no. Oh. Strawberry shortcake was the way we ate it for a meal. No, 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 no. Now, she never had, no, no. It's, a, it's for dessert. Guess what? I've learned to eat it as dessert, but, but I still eat it my way at times as well. Okay, both. Uh, so we need to realize as congregation, when it comes to the ways we think sh things should be done, and what we need to submit ourselves sometimes even lay aside our own selves. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what Jesus did for us. 
So he's prayer that we would be one. You know, the church of Jesus Christ is, greater than, is far greater than any pandemic, far greater than any political election. As someone has said, if you think, if your joy is going to be the outcome, if your joy is going to be found in the, only in the outcome of political election, you're going to be sadly mistaken. You're not going to find that joy at all. It's just not going to be meaningful. And so we want to pray for ourselves. I want to pray for myself every day that I would seek, I would work for the well-being of the church of Jesus Christ. And when we, when we disagree and when there's disagreements, work them out. Show grace. Show that unconditional love that Jesus showed for us when he went to the cross. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 is set in the context of a church division over spiritual gifts. And Paul talks about in chapter 12 and chapter 14, those chapters are bookends to chapter 13. He talks about the issue. He deals with the issue. But he says in chapter, in chapter 13, even though you can speak in all the tongues of angels and you have all wisdom and understanding and knowledge and have not love, you are what? Nothing. 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 doesn't negate truth. It certainly means when it comes to what we think sometimes are these hobby horses we can get on. And we think they're spiritual truth. Like, like the Corinthian church, so some of them thought that certain gifts, they were better, they were greater, and they were more spiritual. Now, if you have that love, unconditional love, you're nothing. Prayer, a priority. Second prayer we need to pray for ourselves is the prayer of perspective. Kingdom, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. We said it this morning in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is here and not yet. There's coming a day when Jesus Christ will return in power and great glory on the second advent, and he will set up his kingdom on the earth and reign for a thousand years, and he will ultimately destroy the enemy and, uh, and exalt himself, and his kingdom will prevail. But for today, the kingdom of God is spiritual in nature. It is seen in the church, called by God to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all people and make disciples of all nations. He's called us to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. And so kingdom living today is through the church. It's through the local church that God is doing His work and wants to do His work in the world of calling a people to himself, of developing his family, of growing his family. And so kingdom living is being controlled by God's Spirit in our hearts and lives, as our affections and our desires, our perspective then, it is to be centered around the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that kingdom of God is, is uh, worldwide in focus. And it's been built down through the ages, through the church, and still is even today. The kingdom of God is not synonymous with the United States of America. We are not the kingdom of God. 
Israel was God's people in the Old Testament. The church is God's people in the New Testament. While we appreciate our country, while we pray for our country, while we enjoy and appreciate the freedoms that we have, at the same time, God's kingdom goes beyond any national and all national bounds. In Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. And we need to thank God for that because we're Gentiles. I think most of us here, and we were grafted in and brought in. And so our perspective is to be global in nature. And all of life is to be lived for the from the perspective of God's kingdom, His righteousness, His glory, His purpose, His will. We've been set apart from this world to live the glory of God. Now, the question is, how do we do that? We do that as we're filled with God's Spirit, realizing that, again, we have a high calling in Christ. So we need to ask ourselves, well, how different are we then from the world system? I mean, think about this. We want to have good marriages. I have neighbors that are unbelievers, and they're married, and they want to have a good marriage. We want to raise good kids. We have neighbors around us in our neighborhood that want to raise good kids. They're not believers, but they want to raise good kids. We want to be good citizens. So, we want to, so do unbelievers. We want to be successful in our work. So do unbelievers. We want to be good neighbors. So do unbelievers. We want to help those in need. So do unbelievers. So what makes us different and set apart from the world system? It's this, that all that we are and all that we do is centered around our commitment to Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God here on earth through His church. That we are united and we are committed to Him. It's not for personal gain. It's for Jesus Christ. I lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. And I'm trusting in Him for my salvation, not in my good deeds. And I'm committed to Christ and His kingdom principles and His righteousness. And I live it out day by day. That's the difference. It's my motivation. It's my heart. I doubt if anyone here today ever heard of a man by the name of Lee Stone. I did not know him either. John Stone Street, in one of his uh, breakpoint diaries from the Colson Center, reflected one of his articles on, uh, about the whole matter of the what's going on in our world, especially regarding celebrity pastors and how the one in New York City that was with Hillsong named Carl Lentz had recently been fired because of, uh, of uh, adultery. He was writing about that and how this uh, was, pastor was a very high-profile pastor. He was ministering to the, the, the people that are celebrities and, uh, and been very much out there and New York City and all the, with all the movers and shakers. And again, he fell morally. And his story was all over the news. Then he writes, about the same time that I read the heartbreaking news about Carl Lentz, I learned of the passing of a man I'd known since I was young. 
Lee Stone spent decades as a volunteer girls basketball coach at the little Christian school I attended and as a pastor of a small country Baptist church in Virginia. For 34 years, he led the local rescue mission in town, helping men and women who were down and out with alcoholism, addiction, and homelessness, often the same men and women over and over again. Lee Stone was a quiet man. He walked with a limp. He was certainly no celebrity. I can't say for sure, but I would be willing to bet a lot of money that he never had an Instagram account. However, let's be, what's clear from both his obituary and from the tributes that poured in on social media is that Lee Stone was a man who loved others deeply and was deeply loved by many. He left his community better without, even, without ever building his own platform. Lee's legacy, the local newspaper read, this is what the local newspaper said, is one of serving God with the compassion of Jesus Christ. That legacy and his impact were quietly built on a lifetime of faithfulness, married for 65 years, four children, 23 grandchildren. And John Stone Street writes, the contrast between these two stories, one which made national headlines, both speaking of pastors, and one that made only the local paper's obituary section was stark. I'm sure he wasn't perfect, but Mr. Stone chose a life largely insulated from the temptation to entitlement or self-worship or fame, but his impact was great. Then, then uh, John Stone Street writes, concludes by saying, I want to be like Lee Stone. You see, this is kingdom living, being faithful where God has put us, where God has placed us, and doing that with energy given by the Holy Spirit and doing it boldly, courageously, lovingly, not being distracted by the things around us. There are things in our culture that are very disturbing, things happening in our country that are alarming. Yes, they are, there are. The pandemic it was a very difficult time, and there's still residual effects from that. And certainly our political system has issues. But let's not be distracted by these things. Let's remember we, are, we serve a, a, a God who's in charge of all things, and we're here representing His kingdom and His righteousness. We know how it all turns out, but we're called together to build together, to work together, to grow together, and to realize that as we serve, and in the midst of all of this, we still serve, and as we do, God will bless. I was raised in a mission church. My dad was a pastor, a small little mission church, there in the Belleville area. And I remember back in the early 60s, uh, recently I was reminded of that because I, I, I read the obituary column in the newspaper from Lewistown to keep up with what's going on in Belleville because uh, my parents are gone and so I don't know who's passed away. And I saw the obituary of a woman named Jessie Luke. And my mind went back to the early 60s when Jesse and her husband Francis and their family moved from Canada to Belleville. Talk about culture shock. 
And he moved into Belleville because he came there for a job, driving oil truck for a, a local uh, oil company. They had several children, and people from our little church reached out and invited them to our church. And it was during those times we would have a series of evangelistic services in the fall for a week. And uh, think of the 60s. This has probably been more close to the mid-60s. Think of the 1960s. First of all, you had John Kennedy elected to be a president. He was Catholic, and there were believers who thought, the church who thought that, that uh, the country is really going to go downhill because a Catholic is president. There was a Cuban Missile Crisis that uh, was very, very serious in nature. Uh, later on, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. And then later on, you had uh, the, uh, the, the uh, racial unrest later on in the 60s. I mean, it was, it was a difficult time. And there were a lot of things going on that were very concerning. It was also a time when the communist threat was still there, and when school, you know, we would do these drills of hiding under the, the desk to protect ourselves in case the communists would attack us. I'm, I'm not making that up. There's a lot of fear around. That church I grew up in, we kept serving. We kept going, moving forward. And I remember the night when Jesse stood to receive Christ as her Savior. I can still remember that as a, little, as a young boy. And her family all became believers in time. And some of the, many of our family members are still walking with Jesus today. We kept on serving, letting nothing deter us. Because we're about building God's spiritual kingdom through his church. That's our commitment no matter what may come. Yes, we live in difficult days, but you know what? The church has always lived in difficult days. We need a good dose of church history. It's been like that ever since the apostles. Disciples, most of them are martyred. And down through the centuries, been all kinds of persecutions. Some of us, our forefathers were persecuted. That's why they came to this country. Persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ. So we stand today not in fear, certainly concerned, certainly praying, certainly aware, but not in fear. We stand for Jesus. stand for the gospel. We stand for the truth. We do so together, having that perspective. Third prayer, prayer, purpose, discernment. We want to discern, discern God's uh, truth and be discerning people. Colossians chapter 1. Prayer is, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We need spiritual discernment also today as never before. Simply realizing that there is a lot, we need discernment in a sense, first of all, to realize again the reality of our faith and what it means. So for instance, I don't know what's all going to happen. I don't know what's all going to take place. I don't know what the future holds in terms of all that's going to happen in our country, in our world. But I do know this. I know that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I know that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. I know that the Scripture is God-breathed. I know that the Holy Spirit it fills me, is within me, and if I yield to Him, He will empower me to serve the Lord. 
I know that there is coming a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, and there's no more sin, sorrow, or death. I know God is sovereign. I know God will judge righteously. I know that we are called to live in unity and to be kingdom people and to be discerning. I know that we are to be committed to the church because I know that the church of Jesus Christ is that which is the only thing that will stand over the test of time. I know those realities. So let's focus on what we do know. Let's focus on what we are aware of. Let's be discerning. You know, uh, our discernment is based on God's Word. Let's just realize we use the Scriptures. Uh, last March, in March 2020, pandemic hit. A lot of prophets in our nation, pastors, say they're prophets. They can foretell the future. Some of them got up and said, you know what? The pandemic's going to be wiped out. I know that. God's going to come and it's going to be gone. Or they, or they said, you know what? We know that Trump is going to be reelected. We know that's going to happen. They made those predictions, and especially with a pandemic. Uh, Ken Copeland is one of them. He got up. It's on YouTube. You can read it. God's going to come and wipe out the pandemic. Did that happen? No. What does that mean then? In this Old Testament, it said that the true test of a prophet is that they are right every time they make a prediction. If they're wrong once, they're false. Okay, I can base that not on my own emotions, not on my own thinking, not in my own way, but on the Scripture, what the Scripture says. You'd be discerning, but always go to the Scripture, not go to our own preferences, not go to our own way of thinking, not our own direction, what the Scripture says. We can make judgments, those kind of judgments, and discern between truth and falsehood. And so the prayer priority, unity, that we be one. The prayer of perspective, kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer of purpose, discernment, Colossians chapter 1. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding comes from God's word. We want to be discerning people together. You know, uh, by the way, I have two minutes yet, and I'll be finished at quarter of 12. Isn't that amazing? It's good, isn't it? I, I, I asked Steve. He said, yeah. That's a, 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 we, I said, what's the outer limit? He said, 12. I said, oh, I think I can get there before that. So, you know, I drive in my car some, going from place to place, and I have on my radio, I listen to the radio. Now, and it may be old-fashioned to do that, but that's what I do. And I have my station tuned to WDAC, Christian Radio. And I'm in and out of the car a lot, and so I just get bits and pieces. But what I've learned, and especially it was so helpful even during the time of the pandemic, there always seemed to be something that when I was driving, it didn't matter who was speaking or even if it was music, there was something that was helpful to me. Something that ministered to me. And I just would encourage us in all of this as we pray for ourselves in these areas to really also realize that when we are out and about in our daily walk, to engage, to open our hearts 
to what God has for us to encourage and uplift us. So wonderful. I remember one Sunday driving to a church. I was going to just, I wasn't speaking. I was just going to visit there. And uh, it was an AMEC church. And, uh, you know, I first heard, uh, you know, Tony Evans. You know, he was preaching on repentance, you know. And by the time he was done preaching on repentance, you know, Tony Evans, just stop, you've heard him. I was ready to stop the car, get out of the car, get down on the ground, and repent, you know, get on my knees. <laughs> it was, and then next came James Montgomery Boyce, and from, uh, he's no longer living, but he's still on. And we went, to, when I, Susan and I were in college, we went to where he pastored, and we heard him speak many times. Such a blessing to our lives. And now to still hear him is such a blessing. And then at 10 o'clock, music came on. It wasn't the church yet, and the first hymn that came on was, Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. And I turned the volume, cranked it all the way up, and I was singing along as I drove along, dodging the buggies on my way to that church. It was in southern Lancaster County. Such a blessing. Then I went to church, and I worshiped there. One versus the other, I was ready to worship publicly because it's great to be with God's people. We were there and I worshiped and I heard a great message, but my heart was in tune. So, as we pray for each other, as we pray, I mean, pray for one uh, for ourselves, as we pray for ourselves that we would be unified, kingdom people, and filled with discernment, we do so as we grow together. And one of the ways we can grow together is to be able to, again, avail ourselves of what is there. Growing and serving, being encouraged, and using our time. Let's uh, watch the news, but only a little bit, okay? Don't get to be on social media, little, just a little bit, all right? Just be careful. All your time and all of that. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Lay it all down. We lay it all down. And we, and we ask God to lay us down. So pray for yourself as you go home today and throughout this week. Pray that God would fill you with his spirit of unity. Pray that he would help you keep the main thing, the main thing, his kingdom. And pray he would help you to be, uh, fill you with knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, all for his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for these words from your word. and We bless you today in the name of Jesus. Praise you can bless this congregation. I thank you for these dear people here. May you fill them, bless them, use them. Continue to pray for Devin and Katie. Bless them, Lord, in their ministry and their, your, your direction for them in the future. But for all of us here, Lord, we have all have a ministry. May we be filled with your love as we live together in unity, as we are kingdom people, as we are discerning based upon your word. We bless you and thank you, and we praise you with this. Lay us down. We lay ourselves before you through Christ. Amen.